Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Changes. My name is Annie McManus. Hello, folks. Uh, Hope you're doing well. We've changed the running order of the podcast this week to bring you a very important episode, a conversation which I will never, ever forget. My guest is Danila Komatovsky. He is a 38-year-old Ukrainian man, a husband and a father to a seven-year-old son. He's worked in radio all his life and has lived in Kiev for the last 10 years and is now the co-founder of an online radio station called Aristocrats. In the last three weeks, Danila's life has been completely upended. As I speak to you right now, Russia has been at war with Ukraine for 21 days. Despite peace talk efforts, Russian artillery and warplanes are continuing to pound cities and towns across Ukraine. Russia's invaded on the north, south and east sides of the country and we see their captured territories on maps coloured in pink. Every day we look, there is more pink. More than 3 million people have now fled Ukraine since Russia began its invasion, a rate of more than a million people per week, the International Organization for Migration has said. Danila is now taking shelter in the Ukrainian countryside and working for ICTV channel as a voice of the civil defense program, volunteering for state agencies and private studios, recording voiceovers in four languages to help win the war. He reached out to me on Instagram as a listener to my radio shows and to Changes, and we got talking. I spoke with him on the morning of Friday 11th of March for this podcast. Danila is going to tell you his whole story now. It was a hugely enlightening, occasionally upsetting, and very inspiring conversation. Please welcome to the podcast, Danila Komatovsky. Danila... Hello and thank you. First of all, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you. It's a big support for us, for every Ukrainian uh, to know that uh, people out there is interested and doing something to help us. It's very supporting. How are you? Um, When I compare my my state of mind a few days ago uh, today I'm okay today I'm okay Mm. it's not okay in the common sense but uh, the shock is uh, gone the panic attacks are uh, not so often Mm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I can work I can uh, sleep a little bit and uh, I think I'm okay uh, with my body, I'm, I'm in health. I, I, I mm-hmm. try to be okay because it's it's really matters now. And so I can say I'm okay. Okay. Would you mind describing to us where you are? I'm in the Vinitsa region in the small uh, village where my wife's relatives uh, live. 
now I live in small house, w- which uh, was uh, abandoned for some time, and now I I managed to make some fire mm-hmm. to get some hot air here, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's like small village house. In the countryside? Yeah, in the countryside. It's it's uh, not very dangerous area. Here were some uh, attacks by missiles uh, nearby uh, the Vinica airport. Uh, and yeah. I, I uh, used to hear the sirens of air raids, but I don't hear the impacts. Tell me about what your life was like before the war began. Please give me a picture of where you lived, what you did, your family, please. Okay. Actually, I was born in Novosibirsk, Russia, and uh, I have a ah. few relatives uh, live there, but uh, after these days, I cannot I cannot speak to them because they live in their uh, reality, the reality that's set up by Russian government. Last maybe 10 plus years, I lived in Kiev, I have a family, my wife, Tanya, and a son, seven years old, Matthew. Uh, I am a voice artist. I do some uh, voiceovers and uh, do some advertisement and uh, podcasts. I also mm-hmm. am uh, one of uh, founders of uh, the online station called uh, Aristocrats, uh, which was founded uh, when the Dignity Revolution uh, began in uh, 2014. I have friends, I have uh, apartment, and I have small forest cabin nearby Kiev, about 40 kilometers uh, or 30 miles from, from Kiev. And my life, as I thought, was was happy. I was happy because uh, I actively work on my mental health and uh, work Mm. with my therapist and uh, playing tennis, fishing on uh, weekends and it was good, happy life. I had plans. (laughs) I bought, uh, actually I bought a car from uh, USA and it was traveling to Ukraine and uh, now it is in uh, Turkey and I don't know. It's a small thing but you know, everything fall apart. And your wife, Tanya, did she work? I mean, she's a manager and work with teams in the IT sector. Ah. Would you mind telling me the story of how you met Tanya? Uh, it was 2014, and it was the year of the foundation of this uh, online radio we decided to make it uh, because um, there were three of us uh, we working in the morning show in Kiev, and uh, after some conflict with the radio manager, <laughs> actually about the Ukrainian language, we decided not to continue this work and to make our own online station. And uh, it was like a movie uh, when you begin do something and uh, people are coming. It was a very strong information vacuum in Ukraine. People wanted to tell something. They had a lot of messages, but they uh, had no opportunities to do this. And many uh, media was uh, founded uh, in these years. 
So it was the beginning of this radio and uh, it was my responsibility to find commercial clients and to find some money to operate. Mm. I met Tanya at this time. She were she was marketing manager of Cointreau Liquor. Uh, so it was our sponsors at first time and we had a few very long conversations about everything in the world and I understand that this is the girl that I can speak about anything anytime and as I was taught it's the very good uh, sign to be together mm. so we start speaking and then everything happened so quickly. We met each other in the February and married in June. Wow. Yeah. So you just knew. Yeah. Wow. So what was Kiev like to live in as a city? Did you love Kiev? Oh, it's it's a wonderful city. Yeah. yeah. So, somebody called it New Berlin. Wow. Because uh, we had one of the best nightclubs in the Europe. Mm. Uh, it was magnificent parties there. We had the great uh, restaurant culture. It was brilliant European city, you know. Mm. The it, it it it's not very big. It's not very small. It has the underground. It has everything you need to to live and to be uh, happy in in the city uh, we had festivals we had the parties uh, everything you you need you you can you can get Describe what happened in the lead-up to Russia actually bombing. Was there a long time where you felt it was coming? Did it feel sudden? This war began eight years ago when yeah. uh, Russia annexed uh, Crimea and then occupied the Donbas areas. Everything we have to do is to show those people who are on the occupation that here in Ukraine, under Ukraine law and Ukraine government, the life is better and uh, the democracy is uh, the only way to gain the good quality of life. Uh, nobody planned to invade them because it's it's nonsense. But uh, the war was all these years, all these years, every day we had uh, messages from frontline that somebody was killed, somebody was injured, etc. After that, uh, last year in the spring, we had uh, terrible news that uh, Russia is uh, stockpiling the war machines, tanks, uh, etc. on the border of Ukraine. We had an anxi anxiety about that yeah. because yeah. we know that uh, the Russian leader is he's a killer and uh, he has no borders. I mean, he has no frames yeah. to, to tackle him. Yeah. So at first it was very scary. But when the situation a little bit de-escalated, somebody from, from Russia said, it's okay, we, we don't meant to invade or something like that. Some messages about they send back some troops. We thought it was bluff to uh, get some sanctions back from the West. But a few months later, it was clear signs of military deployment and uh, 
escalating near our borders and we began to hear some messages from the American agencies that say that war is in inevitable and invasion is inevitable. They pull back all their diplomats. They uh, right. strongly recommend citizens of USA and United Kingdom mm. not to visit Ukraine or get out of Ukraine as soon as possible. So it was real uh, emotional and psychological pressure to continue to work, to continue to live uh, in this kind of circumstances. But in the deep uh, of my soul, I did not believe that right. it will happen. Because from the military perspective, it's impossible to invade the whole country, the big country. During this uh, Russian crisis, I learned some materials about Chechnya war, yeah. uh, two Chechnya wars, actually. And uh, the Chechnya is uh, about the square of uh, Kiev region, and uh, they lost. How they think they can invade whole country, great country. Mm. And the second thought that I had was that Ukrainian people are not that everybody thinks they are, especially Russians. They think we will uh, welcome them. They think we are under the neo-Nazis uh, regime, but it's not true, it's it's lie, it, it always was. So these two thoughts give me the background to think that the military invasion is impossible. Maybe it's a new round of bluff, new round of, mm. you know, the uh, diplomatic meetings or something like that. But and Danila, do you think that most other Ukrainians felt the same? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh, nobody panicked. Nobody yeah. ran to to shops and nobody mm. ran out of country. The main idea was to be prepared because sure. when you are at war for eight years you understand that everything you have is your force your dignity and your unity mm. in my family we managed to make some emergency bags right. documents money some uh, clothes warm clothes in case of the worst scenario, you can grab it and, and go into the shelter. The morning of the 24th, yeah. that's when you heard the artillery. It was not the artillery, it, it was wars. Okay. Um, it was uh, 5.20, I, I remember it. In the morning? Uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, I woke up because of huge explosions, big missiles there, and you can hear those sounds, you know, you, I work with sound. I, I, my ears mm. is used to hear some sounds, but I'll never forget this sound. It's horrible. It's like everything is falling apart. And uh, even if the explosion is a few kilometers from you, you hear it very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> After that, even when I fire the wood in uh, here, 
when the wood is cracking, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just like yeah, of a little bit. It's it's terrible. It was four explosions and uh, I was shocked. And uh, at first I didn't understand what is going on because it was morning and I... So there was no siren to warn? It was no. complete surprise? Yes. Got you. When the fourth explosion gone, I understood that it's a war. Actually, it's a war and we are under attack. I said we should go. And your wife agreed? Yes, because um, mm. when... Uh, there were f first news about the escalation on the border of Ukraine, uh, I mean, in in, uh, in spring of 2021. She said, yeah. the Putin is crazy and he, want, he wants revenge for the Maidan and for, for Ukrainian freedom and uh, democracy because we are the threat of his regime. And mm. it will be a massacre, it will be bloodshed here because he wants to show us that he is strong and, uh, you know, and she said it. And I, I thought, no, it's Europe. It's the heart of Europe. People can't do in the 2022 such a thing. It's mm. nonsense. How, how can he just blow up the city? It's, it's impossible. But when I, I heard the sounds and I understood that it's war and we're under attack, actually, I didn't really go deep analysis. It was mm. just the instinct to save our lives and save my son. And yes, we get those bags uh, and go to parking to get our car and uh, went as fast as we can to, to our cabin. Was there other people doing the same? Yes, yes, already. It was a traffic jams a little bit, but uh, nobody actually see the traffic lights. They just drive as fast as they can and uh, a few hours later the traffic is fully jammed and yeah. stopped we managed to be one of the first and actually the first wave of uh, the flea and um, Danila what did you say to your son at this point in the car we talked to him before right. and uh, uh, we said that it might be a war it might be a situation when we have to evacuate and uh, it might be the situation that we have to go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the biggest problem that he, uh, he don't want to go because he has so many things that he loved, like toys, toys and, and yeah. games. Yeah. yeah. And he was crying that uh, we uh, never can be back. <sighs> so you drive, you make it to the forest cabin. Yeah. And you think you're going to be here for a few days. Yes, I thought it would. It will be maximum a week. Yeah. But. Um, and you were able to see what was happening there. You were you able to yes. keep. Look at yes. the news. And, uh, yeah. Actually, okay. it yeah. was the news tornado, and uh, it begins a few weeks before the war. And f I mean, for me, for me, and not not for everybody. Okay. And I I yeah. stared my phone, and uh, yes, I we were constantly in the streams of news and uh, trying to understand what is going on, where the Russian troops are, 
and where are they going. Uh, but in a few hours, we understood that they are near, and they're going to the place when where we are uh, actually now. Uh, then it was the deployment of Russian troops in the Gastomil airport and heavy clashes there. And uh, I saw the f- uh, fighter jets firing uh, missiles to that uh, airfield and uh, circling this area. We heard it, we saw it. Then began the al- artillery uh, bombardment of those areas. It was very clear. Okay. We understood that they wanted to encircle the Kiev and uh, go to, to sure. Kiev. So we decided to go further. And did you have somewhere to go? At the moment, no. But uh, in a few minutes, we managed to understand that the, this place is the safest right now. I mean, the Vinitsa region where the okay. uh, relatives of my wife live. Yeah. And we decided not to go at night because it's maybe dangerous, mm. not because of the army, but uh, because of some... Uh, groups of uh, Russian diversante, people who want to make some small or bigger actions of terror on the territory. So you make the drive. How many hours is that drive then? It was about um, six hours to cover 250 miles. What do you remember about that drive? How did it feel? Um, It was scary. It was like you expect anything from anywhere. We decided to drive not by the big roads and use the small village roads. Okay. We met some uh, outposts of uh, Ukrainian uh, militaries. Uh, we were checked a few times. It was the strong feeling that you can expect anything at any moment. Airstrike or, you know, tanks or some military machines. Uh, We saw actually some of them, uh, but we also saw the the lines of people who is standing in the small uh, villages to become uh, soldiers. Right, yeah. At some point I understood that the Ukraine is fighting and uh, it was a good uh, feeling. Yeah, yeah. So you found this house, your wife's family's yes. house, and how long did you all stay in there together for? Two days. Uh, okay. And uh, during our um, road to this house, I I uh, called to my friends and uh, everybody I know uh, with families, with children, and I invite them to this place uh, to be in safe. And one of my friends agreed to come, uh, the husband, the wife, and the son. Uh, it's my schoolmate. We came here in the evening, and they came uh, in the night. Uh, we were here about uh, two days, I think, yes. After that, the situation here on the ground was worsening. They, I mean, Russians began to bombing the cities. Together with my friend, uh, we decided to move our families uh, abroad to ensure the lives and health of, of my wife and son. Mm. Um, now I think it's it was a good decision. 
but it was so hard on the border. I didn't expect that it will be so hard. So the next day you all drove to the border? You drove your wife and son there? Yes, we took two cars and uh, drove to the Moldova border. It's about uh, two and a half hours driving. Okay. Yeah. But we drive about four hours because there were many blog posts. Yeah. Uh, so we came to the border. It was already night. It was uh, n- 9 p.m. It was not really a huge line, but we have to wait about an uh, hour and a half to get to the border. Um, children were crying all over the place, and it was horrible because, you know, when uh, you're just staying in line and waiting for your turn, it's maybe you can do something, you can speak to my wife or to the son, you can do something. But when yeah. uh, the children are crying and it's uh, making the darkness even more dark. So yeah. after the hour and a half in this line, it it came the moment that when I have to go because I gave this car to my wife, son, and the wife and the son of my friend and right. uh, go to the car of my friend to go back. And uh, it was the most uh, dramatic moment in my life. I've never experienced anything like that to separate with my family in in these circumstances. And um, my son was crying. Uh, He understood that what is going on. And uh, uh, I was firm, actually, but in, in the deep, it was very hard. Yeah, yeah. So when you say you were firm, yeah, I, I, what did you I say? I mean, I said it's okay. It's gonna be okay. We we gonna meet soon, and this war is gonna end. We gonna win, and uh, in a few days or weeks, we gonna be united, and uh, we mm. can go fishing and uh, do everything we planned, like that. Yeah. How did your wife feel about the separation and what were her plans initially? Um, she uh, she tried to help me to create the best possible atmosphere uh, in, yeah. in the family in, in this moment. But I saw it was hard for her uh, as well. The plan was yeah. to move to Italy because uh, there we have friends and uh, they can leave a few days and uh, find the way to settle, to uh, yeah. to get some papers, to get status, to continue to work and uh, to find the school for Matthew because he now yeah. is in the first grade and uh, I don't want him to stop Stop studying. Before the Italy, they have to stay a few days in Moldova because it's a pretty long way to Italy from Moldova. Yeah. My wife's colleague found a home, a house, where they can stay a few days and uh, plan their journey to to Italy. It was not clear how they will go there by 
car or by bus or by plane. But uh, the next day, they decided to uh, separate. So uh, my friend's family go by bus, and my wife found a driver to drive this car behind this bus to right. be together. So it was like small convoy. Yeah. Next day, they go to Italy, and the journey was about 36 or maybe 40 hours. So they made it to Italy, and now they're on their way to the Netherlands. Yes, they they made it to, to Italy, um, but uh, the situation there was pretty different from what I expected. They uh, don't really like Ukrainians. Uh, I mean, not mm. like, but one example, my mm. wife wanted to open the account in the local bank to have an uh, account in euros. And when she came to this bank and they said that they blocked any kind of operations with Russians and Ukrainians because mm. they are the conflict parties. And it was shocking for me. We have... Uh, a good friend in Italy, she is a translator and the, she right. works in university and uh, she couldn't also understand this position of Italians. Yeah. So uh, after this news, we decided to move further because my wife can work. Uh, she didn't lose job and uh, she needs some official papers and uh, bank account to continue to work and we of think course, yeah. we think uh, the Netherlands is the good place i don't know how it will be but today she is driving from italy to germany and uh, next morning she will drive from germany to netherlands okay danila you talk about the people queuing up in the villages to join the fighting yeah. what was the rule in terms of that, like from here, we were told on the news that any man between the age of something like 18 and 60 had to stay to fight. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, prohibited to cross the border for men from 18 to 60. If you are replaced, you have to come to the uh, officials in the place where are you situa situated and say that I'm here. This is my name, this is my passport, and uh, I will live here a few days or weeks. Yeah. Um, so did, did I. But I want to reassure you that Ukrainian army don't need guys like me because I'm not military professional. And to yeah. beca become military professional, I have to have uh, training along maybe mm. from two to four weeks and uh, our army does not get this kind of people. They, uh, yeah. they maybe can help with uh, easy work, uh, security or something like that, but they don't go to the battles because our strength is not in numbers. Our strength yeah. is in quality of our warriors. Yeah. And Danila, so then what was assigned for you to do? Uh, I came to the officials here in this village uh, with my yeah. friend. We said, hello, we are here. This is our passports. We want to be signed like officially. We, we yeah. do not hiding. They said, okay, go home. 
that's it. Right. So how are you spending this time now? Uh, my main mission is to help to win in this war. So okay. I make uh, posts in uh, social media that say that I'm open and ready to uh, make any voiceovers that anybody need to win this war. And after yeah. that, I had a f several jobs, several texts to read. I uh, also continue to work for the TV channel that I worked before. I'm trying yeah. to gain as much support for Ukrainians as I can. And Danila, we're told a lot here in the news about what the Russian media is saying. You, obviously, as a you know independent Ukrainian person working in the media, is there any working media over there? Is there news? Like, what are people able to see on their televisions or radios, or has it all just stopped? Now, there are no independent media, zero. Okay. okay. There were some before the war, but now it's totally closed. There is no such thing as independent information. Okay. Is there state information? And how are people getting that? Actually, it is the big problem because the 140 million country is living in the artificial reality. It's been promoted for years and years. And now uh, the situations situation is so wrong that it's a big story in Ukraine when a guy from Kiev spoke to his father in Russia and uh, told that here is bombings and war. And uh, father said, no, I don't believe you. It's not true. And uh, I, I also had this experience with my relatives from Russia. They tried to convenience me that they are not a part of this. They cannot change the situation. And for me, is a betrayal. What do you need from them? What do you want them to say? Actually, I don't need words. I need mm. actions. Yeah. They could do this in uh, 2012. They could do this in uh, 2014. But they live in a great terror and scare. I know it because I lived in Novosibirsk a few years from 6th till 9th grade. Okay. And this huge territory of Russia is ruled by terror. They seriously think and believe uh, in this alternative reality. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So talking about you now, where you are, do you feel safe there? Do you have enough food to survive? What's your situation now on the ground? Yes, uh, here is it's a pretty safe place because it's the agricultural uh, region. Mm. The food is not a problem because uh, people in Ukraine three times they suffered artificial starvation. Okay. In the Ukrainian traditions is to have enough food anytime. So I have eggs chickens, uh, yeah. bread, uh, everything I, w- I need to be alive and safe here, I have. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. And in terms of morale within Ukraine, I mean, I know you can't speak for the whole country of people, but how do you feel people are responding? Nobody. Nobody thought that Ukrainian people will be so strong and fight so strongly. I have many, many friends and followers and nobody, nobody is panicking. Everybody wants to win this war Mm. and everybody doing everything they can to bring this win faster rather than later. You want to do something, but you don't know what. It was the situation with my friend, actually, because when our families uh, went abroad, it was maybe one day of total frustration and uh, trying to understand what is going on. But after that, you have to do something. And I I saw my friend, he's angry, he's anxious, all kind of emotions in in him. And then he decided to go and to evacuate people from from Kiev on on his car. Wow. Because he he needs to do this. He he, he cannot just sit down and, and wait for for somebody to win mm. and uh, the same situation uh, with my friend who has two children uh, he now also in the safe place but uh, he's planning to go back to kiev and uh, and fight for kiev and wow. he say our guys is winning why don't i <laughs> go and win too yeah. and uh, this kind of idea and morale is i see it everywhere mm. everybody who is capable to do something, trying to find where is the best place to make some changes, to mm. make something to, to get this win. Mm. And Danila, what is the Ukrainian opinion on Zelensky? Actually, I did not vote for Zelensky when it was elections. And I thought mm. it was not a good idea to go on this track of uh, electing populists. But after that day's I am absolutely sure that Zelensky is the best that can happen with this country in this kind of circumstances. He is yeah. hero and now I think uh, as I see he is the leader of the free world because uh, yeah. first of all uh, when the uh, war started he didn't flee, he didn't evacua- evacuate. Yeah. He yeah. managed to record the 
very inspiring messages uh, and uh, to inspire everybody in Ukraine that everything gonna be okay. Now we have this phrase, everything gonna be Ukraine. I love that. What is the opinion on the ground about the support that Ukraine has received from the West? Don't be polite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are two points in the, in the minds of people I know and in my mind. Yeah. First one is we are so grateful for this help because uh, the military help that we have is uh, crucial right now and we use right. it very efficiently. It helps a lot. But secondly, the situation is very disappointing because the Western countries have power to stop yeah. the air bombings, the air strikes, and the death of innocent people and children. Already 70 children were killed by this time. And uh, they afraid of nuclear war. Uh, and they think that if they help, they make a trigger yeah. to deploy yeah. nuclear weapons. But they don't understand that Putin don't need any kind of things to start this nuclear war. He can do it anytime and nothing mm. will stop him. And do you think he might? Yes, absolutely. He bombed the Saporizhia nuclear station with tanks. Tanks were shooting at nuclear station. Can you imagine? Uh, at this night, I woke up, I checked the Twitter, I saw this uh, tanks attacking the nuclear power station. And uh, I go to internet to find what should I do if it blows, if it's like second Chernobyl. Putin don't need mm. nothing to start it. If he decided, he will. So this position not to provoke is weak position. He read it like, mm. I can bomb uh, the mm. cities with the civilians, because it is uh, the tactics of Russians uh, that they use it many, many times in Syria, yeah. in Chechnya. Yeah, yeah we've uh, seen it. Yes, we mm. now live in the times when the whole world structure is uh, changing. Nobody will answer. Mm. Nobody will answer. It's like only words. People are dying. Cities are bombing. How do you feel about being in Ukraine now? Would you rather be in Ukraine? You know, obviously you have to be by law, but... If I have a chance to go abroad, I think I wouldn't do this because... Really? Yes, it's very simple. Uh, one of our friend in the first hours of war managed to get to the border and uh, go and went abroad. Yeah. I see how hard for him the situation is because he is now in the, uh, you know, the survivor syndrome state when you are safe, but somebody is not. His family, his mother uh, stayed in Kiev. It's terrible for anybody to, to be in that situation. My parents stayed in Kherson, which is now occupied by Russians. And so what does that mean for their life? Mm, now I hope they, they are safe. They have food, they have water, and uh, there is yeah. no uh, bombings of civil objects for now yet. Yeah. Uh, the parents of my wife was 
in Chernigiv uh, during the past days and two or three days mm. ago they managed to to flee from Chernigiv and stay in the Chernigiv region so uh it's very hard to be abroad now when the war is is here the second i cannot imagine what will i do when i get out of ukraine and get into the you know calm cozy situation it's like hot and cold uh, water being here i feel a great guilty because uh, i i'm scared i i can say it honestly i'm scared i had a few panic attacks when i thought it's the end of my life and uh, um, i will die i was brave by words i i said okay we will go and fight but when uh, the moment came i understood that i'm afraid i'm i'm so scared but i try to use this energy of this mm, these feelings to to be useful to to make something to do what i can not with gun but maybe with microphone and you're still doing your podcasts yes i yeah. managed to get this small setup here and uh, i think i should continue to support my listeners and to give them this courage yeah. to fight yeah. and to 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 win yeah it's just you talking to them or are you interviewing people or actually actually my i had uh, two formats first it was like morning podcast to make the mental health atmosphere in the morning right. that i think it's the most important time in the day yeah. but i uh, finished it in the autumn and uh, i decided to concentrate on my second podcast actually it was inspired by your work on bbc one the saturday dance music uh, a little bit of house a little bit of drum and bass now yeah. i use uh, this uh time frame to inspire to say that we are gonna win uh, and uh, we are gonna fight I-, I try to support to help my listeners to be energetic mm. and positive mm. i can imagine that helps you too yes that's that's yeah. right when when i do something it's easier to leave than to do nothing in this situation yeah. Danila, what would your message be to the listeners of this podcast changes? You know, these people mainly listening from the UK and from Ireland. What would you like to say to the listeners? I'll try. Um, Thank you. You may think that this war is far away, but this is not. This war is going between good people and bad people. And this war is crucial right now, because if we lose, world will change significantly. And nobody can hide from that. You can change the situation. You can be the part of our win, and it will be your win too. You can speak loudly. And uh, you can support Ukraine. All we need is to close the sky. 
everything else we can do by our hands, by our warriors, by our lives and our destiny. But you have this capability to stop this war. And uh, during this time, this podcast, several people died from airstrikes and bombings. And uh, you can stop it. Please help us to stop it. I cannot stress enough just how thankful I am to Danila for speaking to us on Changes this week. I have been thinking of him and his family constantly since our conversation and I emailed him this morning to see how he is, to see if I could give you an update uh, in this episode. Tanya and Matthew are okay. They reached the Netherlands and found a place to live for three months. Danila has an old DJ friend from Ukraine who lived there, so she helped out a lot. Their next challenge now is to find a school for Matthew uh, so that Tanya is able to work. As for Danila himself, he said the following. I'm totally fine and have a strong feeling to go home to Kiev. This feeling grows every day. Now there is a prohibition to walk and drive for two days, but after that I think I will be planning my returning. I left my hunter gun in the cabin. It's an old one and I love, so I want to go there. And after that, I will come home where I'm almost sure I need to bury my parrot. So I'm optimistically looking forward for the future. And yesterday I made a record for our president's speech in US Congress, which is planned today. I'm so excited. I think after that I can retire and tell the stories to my grandchildren. How are you, Annie? Don't stress too much, please. We will win. We always do. We have put a link in the show notes to Danila's radio station, Aristocrats, if you'd like to see what it's all about. Please share this episode far and wide, and please take care. This episode of Changes was produced by Louise Mason and brought to you by DIN Productions. I will be back next Monday with, as promised, Scarlett Moffat. She's still coming. Gogglebox star, queen of the jungle, a total gem. Till then, bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.